is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from episode 56, our discussion on nutrition and Nash with Ken Kusi and Shira Zelbersagi in honor of U.S. Thanksgiving. This is a new topic for us, yes, even after 160-some episodes, a new topic. Enjoy. This conversation starts with Ken Kusi continuing to discuss his belief that U.S. insurance companies need to support integrated solutions better than they do today. Louise Campbell asks Ken whether he believes things will change when new anti-Nash drugs are approved. And Ken says that in his dealings with insurance companies over the years, they have always seen obesity management as an expense, not an investment, in large part since it's a long-term health risk and they are likely to lose patients within two years. He notes this is not only the U.S. that, in his view, none of the Western democracies invest in fighting obesity and its sequelae. I asked Shira Zelbersagi about what she sees as the value of apps and digital interventions. She says they can be helpful tools for many people, but cannot replace human contact. Ken agrees and elaborates that an app can create momentum, but that several months later, motivation generally starts to wane, and in those moments, he states, human intervention and encouragement are pivotal. When dietitians do not provide motivation and emotional support, he says, patients sometimes complain to him that, hey, I could simply have gone to an app instead. George Schottenberg returns to the idea he expressed earlier that patients need to develop a habit of regular dietitian visits and says he might actually adopt Shira's haircut metaphor for why to do this. As the conversation winds down, Louise Campbell and Shira discuss the idea that while allied providers do not have the time for full-fledged behavioral therapy, they can provide information and support that can help patients better. Over two and a half years into the Nash Tsunami, we finally dedicated an episode to diet and nutrition. From where I sit, this episode's been worth the wait. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, digest, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn discussion group. Ken Kusi. We have to really ask anybody involved in the insurance company industry in the United States to really do the right thing and be more responsible in offering people what they really need and not think always in cost savings. Louise Campbell. Ken, do you think that's going to change if Oka and Resmeterone and all of the other medications come and get approved that access to dietitians to lose the 3 to 7% weight loss, which is easier to lose further upstream if you find a poor healthy liver. Do you think that becomes more than cost effective for insurance companies to put in? Well, to be honest, I mean, with the obesity society, all of the societies related to nutrition, obesity, diabetes have had many, many meetings with the leaderships of insurance companies in the United States, and they never really take it seriously. They see it as an expense. They see it that, well, people hop from one insurance to another in two years. Why should I spend this upfront? And usually they have few dietitians for the number, for 70% of Americans that are overweight or obese. Neither insurance company nor the, the state or the federal government have taken obesity with the seriousness that it has. You know, we invest in many other things and I don't want to do politics, but definitely the United States is not investing and many other countries are not investing or making health a top priority. Ken and Shira particularly, to what degree do we think that apps are on phones or on computer desktops can cover some of that space that isn't being picked up because we don't have enough, enough dietitian or enough nutrition support. Shira Zelbersagi. I think it, it can be a helpful uh, tool, another tool, but I don't think it can completely replace the human contact. So I think you do need a dietitian at least every couple of months to follow you. There is, there is still the impact of the personal contacts, but I do think that 
some kind of apps can be helpful but we need to remember that in older populations it can be more difficult to use these apps and maybe in less educated populations it could be less available or people from lower socioeconomic parts of the society so these apps and, and computers could be very nice but just not for everyone and not as the only tool in my opinion just as another tool that can be used in addition to the personal contacts and also the topic that we discussed a minute ago, the fact that people cannot reach a dietitian, that it's not covered by their health insurance, it's really important because it actually increases the health inequalities in liver disease. And there are many studies showing that food insecurity is related with NAFELD and more advanced fibrosis, and that people from low socioeconomic status and less affluent fa- and children from less affluent families eat less fruits and vegetables and drink more soft drinks and suffer more from NAFELD. So it's amazing that these populations that need dietitian consultation the most are the least to be able to actually get it. So I don't think we can solve it with apps, but maybe it can be some kind of help. Yeah, I, I like Shira as an optimist. If, if any patient in the audience is using an app and it's helping, definitely that's a, a great support. In general, apps have shown that they get some feedback. People get excited the first few months and then they drop out after six months months or so the excitement and again nobody can replace the human interaction and the human feedback I mean there is psychotherapists uh, as nutritionists that's that chemistry is what really cures the patient I'm sure if I had a, a dietitian like Shira to send my patients I mean we would have resolved Nash in the United States long ago <laughs> and it also works the other way around I mean sometimes the dietitian just hands in paper and information but there's very little compassion if you want to put it in a way they come to me angry I just wasted my time you know I could have gone to the internet to get all this stuff so the human factor is not replaceable but you have a good point app I mean uh, Roger could it help yes but I don't think it's going to be that decisive in turning the tide Jörn Schattenberg so in the end it comes down to multiple aspects and you know Shira called for the repetitive haircut type of dietitian advice I think I'm going to pick this up for my clinic too I agree with Ken that the interaction at a human level, you know, looking in the eye and, and, and focusing on the clinician or the dietitian is not replaceable by any tools. But as with other things we've discussed, I think there are many puzzles that can be put together. It's just not one straight shot and not so easy in the first round. I want to bring up something as physicians when you meet the patients. So you, you can't do really behavioral therapy. You can't start because you don't have time for it. The time that I devote to the patients in the hospital clinic, it's about 30 to 40 minutes per visit okay it's a lot of time discussing nutrition and behavioral therapy it's really time consuming so you can't do that but I think that you can create the motivation, as I mentioned previously, for for the lifestyle modification. And another thing is to discuss simple things with the patient. For example, to discuss with them certain foods that they should avoid as much as possible, right? No 100%, but as much as possible. So that's something that can be done even in 10 minutes physician's uh, visit, like explaining that the worst thing they can have is sugared beverages. There are so many studies showing the damage of sugar beverages in Nuffield, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, obesity. If you devote just a few minutes to put a lot of emphasis on soft drinks, on sugar beverages, and then maybe on processed food, on ultra-processed food and processed meat, I think as, as a start in a very short visit that could 
have some some impact. Shira, can I ask, do you see members of the family as well, or is it just the patient when you do your consultation? I'm, uh, I always encourage the patients to bring family members. I do see a lot of them. The reason I ask is what we see in alcohol, and I've seen it with diet, is sabotage by the person who cares for that, because there is a relationship between those people, particularly in alcohol. If you change the dynamic of the person who's dependent, you change the style of relationship that they have with their partner. Now that puts that as a threat. And if you are the partner who is controlling the purchase of the alcohol, the food by putting it in the house, the sabotage comes in because you lose your power. And how much does that interfere or prevent people? And and how much time do you get to even spend on that type of sabotage that goes on? So I do get to see this sabotage from, from time to time. It's not very common, I must say, because most family members are quite worried about the liver disease of their family member and they do try to change the food in the house and so on. But, I, but there are indeed cases where the spouse or, or uh, even parents or even grandparents sabotage the treatment and then you need to, to very quickly recognize that and not to involve this family member or to have a discussion with him and to explain to him the implications of this sabotage. But I must say it's not very common, but yes, I do know what you mean and I see it from time to time. The amazing thing is that I, I saw it a couple of times with uh, adolescents or children where the parents bring them for treatment but then the grandparents think that preventing sugar beverages and sweets from the grandchildren is very cruel and they actually sabotage the, the treatment. So then of course you have to have a very uh, long discussion with the whole family. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with another breakthrough episode, this time with Veronica Miller from the Liver Forum, discussing some of the forum's exciting and important work. You'll want to hear it. Until then, stay safe, surf on. If you're in the U.S., have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.